Welcome to the White Sox Daily Podcast. My name is Ben, and I'm with my co-host, Xavier. Um, yes, got some fun stuff to talk about. We are at the unofficial halfway point of the season, uh, almost, with the All-Star break coming up next week. So I think there's a lot of fun storylines to talk about. Let's let's get it out of the way, Xavier. It seems like every week on this podcast, we have to talk about a new injury or a new change to the roster. Um, this one is positive because angle came back, but depending on wh- who, whether you're not a fan of this player or not, um, Adam Eaton has been shown the door. Now, Adam Eaton was, um, has a lot of history with the team. I think he was a, a fan favorite his first go around. Uh, let's be honest. This second go around hasn't gone well. How did you feel about the move? So, uh, what was that? Yesterday was Wednesday. He got dropped and Tuesday, Tuesday night, I made a tweet. Uh, I was, I, I always see DFA Eaton, DFA Eaton across every White Sox Twitter's account. And I was like, uh, let me do like a dive. I haven't really looked at his numbers fully. And I came up with a tweet that said, okay, let's see how many multi-hit games he has, how many multi-walk games and how many multi-strikeout games he has. He has with the Sox this season before being uh, designated for an assignment, 13 multi-strikeout games and just eight multi-hit games and four multi-walk games. So he has more multi-strikeout games than those other two, which as a guy who's supposed to be a leadoff hitter who gets on base and runs, he hasn't been doing that. He was hitting 201 and had a 298 on base percentage. And that's not, that's not what they need out of a guy. Yeah, who they paid and they, they paid him this year. He was the guy who they chose to pay. Uh, what was it like? 8 million. Yeah. He was the big free agent field. guy. Go ahead. He, he was their big, uh, um, offensive acquisition. Yep. So I was, I was, it was pretty bold of them to do it, uh, especially with him uh, leading off the night before I was very surprised to see, Yeah. but it was, a, it was a, a move that had to be done. Uh, he hasn't been producing. Uh, he clearly wasn't doing his job and it, it, they must've saw something in angle where they had the confidence with him be coming back. And then the rest of the team filling in when angle is not available. Yeah, uh, it was, it was an $8 million deal. Um, so he's going to get, but all of that, because in major league baseball, aren't your, your contracts are guaranteed. So, um, you know, I'm sure it sucks as a, as a, as a veteran player who's had a lot of success in this league to get DFA'd. Um, you know, I maybe maybe there's something left in the tank. Another team take a flyer on him. He he wasn't dreadfully bad. Looking around the league, uh, looking at some of the guys across town, uh, I actually saw he would have been their third best outfielder this season across town. So uh, offensively, so um, he was he wasn't good, and, and I think it was the right move, but. Um, I think there might be something left in the tank for the right team. Oh yeah. Early on, he was producing uh, like early April May for like three weeks, maybe, but it's one of those situations where it just wasn't working out here. They had to let him go and I'm sure he's going to get picked up and just have a spark in him and have a couple good weeks. And everyone's be like, man, we shouldn't have got rid of him, but it was a move that needs to be made. Yeah, and absolutely. Hopefully that's not, not the end of moves that need to be made. Uh, hopefully now we start acquiring players. Yeah, 
absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I guess that technically wasn't injury news. It was kind of a sad thing. Again, like I said, I I, I thought some fans turned on him pretty hard. Uh, I think a lot of the, the frustration was that um, Larusa had him batting second so deep into the season before he finally moved him down. Um, so yeah, best of luck to him. Um, angle angles back. Um, yeah, the youngsters uh, have been playing really well. I, I last time I was on the po- podcast, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, looking forward to Jake Berger possibly being called up, and then he did, and he's been playing incredibly well. Um, where has he played? Because again, I've, I've been watching a little bit more from a distance. Where have they been? I know he filled in for Moncada when Moncada was out that weekend, but how has he been distributing the playing time for? Uh, Burger this yeah, week. This is where uh so he was mostly playing third base, and I think he might have come in and was a DH. I know he's pinch hit, mm-hmm. but in the, the scenarios with the team when they call players up initially with Sheets, Vaughn, now with Burger, they Johnny Russo's like sad him right away. Yeah. Uh I don't un- quite grasp that. Uh I feel like they should have to they should be playing them out a little more than just a couple nights and then sitting right away, especially in a team that's kind of hurt. So they need production. Right. Uh, I don't know if we would have seen Jake Berger this soon, if it wasn't for Ankata being out that week, that right. series versus uh, the Tigers. Yeah. And he, he kind of made it hard for them to send him down. Uh, his batsman producing has, do you know if he's played second base yet for the, the big league team? Uh, I don't think so. I think they thought about it, but he did not. So, you know, I've seen some people, uh, some of the chatter, uh, if you want to keep him in the lineup, um, yeah, I think DH is an option for sure. But if you want, uh, if they're unsure about him at second base, do you move Moncada back to second? I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, people pointed to how dreadful he was at second base before they moved him to third and his offense wasn't as good. Okay. That was a younger Moncada that hadn't figured out the league yet. I don't think you'd see him fall off the table in production and I'm sure he's athletic enough to play second base, but, um, the difference between moving Moncada and doing with Jake Berger, Jake Berger's still pretty young in his career of playing than Moncada. Moncada has really grown comfortable at third and yeah. as you know, as an all-star level, even fielding, he's, he looks yeah. pretty good out there. Yeah, and for I him, think he's a plus to, fielder. Yeah. And now to revert back to second would be a worse move than having uh burger try to pick that position up as he's already f- feels comfortable with learning new positions. He's exactly spoken about it. He's kind of a team player and is ready to fill in wherever the coach and white Sox organization wants him and needs him. Yeah, you know, my kind of thinking, especially since sometimes uh, defense can be the the White Sox Achilles heel. Um, Berger at third base isn't going to give you plus defense, not yet at this stage of his career, I don't think. Um, and he's not going to give you a plus defense, obviously, second base. But we know Moncada already can can give them. Uh, really excellent defense at third base. So that's a, the known commodity. Let's go ahead and stick with that. In my opinion, um, you know, one of the things that's going to make it hard for Berger to find a bats though, is uh, uh, Mendick has been batting uh, his pants off since uh, Madrigal went down. I, I wish I would have had it pulled up. I saw that in a tweet today and I forgot to screenshot it, but just, I mean, his slashes since, uh, since, uh, um, and a way to runs created plus since 
uh, Magical went down have been fantastic. Uh, Mendix have. So whether or not that is sustainable for him, uh, I, I don't really know, but um you know, it's a good problem to have right now for, for the White Sox. They went from having nobody to play to now they've got a lot of pieces they can move around. Which leads me to, actually, um, I don't want to steal your thunder here a little bit, but we've, we've had so many negative storylines when it comes to injuries this season. And uh, just to kind of set you up here, the White Sox got some great uh, injury news this week. Yeah, so uh, I don't want to cut you off either, but just quick highlighting another injury news before the good injury news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandal went down this oh, week. Oh, that's right. That, that was same the same day. I knew uh, somebody did. And <laughs> it was a thing that uh, for, I, was, I was at work and this guy was saying, Grandal Mancada got hurt at the same time last week. And he was saying, oh, we, we should... Uh, either sit them both or sit one of them through the all-star break since you had the twins, yeah. the Tigers, the Orioles, the bottom of the league. Right. And then they both were ready for the twin series and Grandal on Sunday, I think it was Sunday or Monday hurt himself swinging. Such and a freak injury. It looked like a freak injury. Tore a tendon in his knee. It turned out he, it had to be done uh, surgically to uh, uh, fix it. And now it's looking like he could be out a couple months. They're saying six to eight yeah. weeks. I'm. I that, was read. A, that was a big blow. And that's that's going to hurt. Now now there's just another need for a catcher. Before we're looking at possibly a infielder, outfielder, yeah. and maybe some pitching help. Now they're going to have to maybe look for a catcher. Uh, could be a veteran of some sort. Uh, right now they have Sebi Savala or Savaya up with the team. Mm-hmm. And he'll fill in, but I don't know. Once again, you're asking a lot for these younger guys to produce. And yeah, that's so sustainable. Kind of the scouting report I saw on him uh, is that, you know, not going to give you anything offensively, but pretty solid defensive catcher. Um, so, you know, Zach Collins is a solid backup. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I know a lot of fans are were down on him on Twitter this week. Um, you know, count your blessings. Most teams would, there are, there are teams that would have considered Zach Collins as their, you know, Guy. catcher one, right. You know, not, not a backup. So that, at least there's something there, but you're right. They may need to go out and get a, a backup catcher. I forgot. I knew there was negative news this week because there has to be, I mean, there's always yeah. negative news. Yeah. I have a little bad with the good, they say, uh, but the good news, uh, this morning, actually Wednesday evening, uh, six the scores, Shane Raritan posted tweets saying he, he had a source saying Eloy Jimenez was going to be called up in the morning and would be going to be not called up, but like off the list and be sent to Winston-Salem Dash and begin his rehab fully, um, getting some time in the in game play. So it was made official Wednesday, Thursday morning by the White Sox and Twitter erupted. Uh, fans everywhere were excited to see because they could seriously use his bat. Uh, that I mean, that was shocking to me. I, it, it, when when he went down, it was like maybe maybe by October he'll be able to get back, hoping maybe he could rush his uh, his recovery time, get back in in September to get some some games before a, a playoff run. Um, you know, now now it's looking like you know what two three three weeks maybe uh, we're looking in early August. 
you know, mm-hmm. I what what a turner, what a huge boost that's going to be. Um, yeah, I didn't expect him to. I was set with him and Robert showing up late in the season. So you know, I, I think. Uh, you know, from what I've been able to tell, I don't know if the Sox have said it officially yet. I'm going to assume um, that Eloy is going to slide more into the DH role. Probably won't be playing in the field a ton this season. Maybe never again. <laughs> so, so, I love Eloy. He yeah. is a, he is a circus act in the outfield. <laughs> so in the press conference for today, he. I think they want to do that for him at uh, DH, but he he's not the biggest fan. Similar to Abreu, how Abreu just right. doesn't like being DH because of how much time players have to sit uh, in between their at bats. And these guys just love the game so much that they're like any chance to be on the field, they yeah. want to be there. Which I got, yeah. Which I got, you know. Um, I'm certainly was never an elite athlete, but playing baseball, I I loved getting out there, shagging fly balls, even doing that. Um, you know, the game it, it is interesting as as the game has changed dramatically over the last twenty years, um, thirty years. Stadiums have changed dramatically. I mean, it used to be that yeah, that's basically what they had to do is sit on the bench until it was their at bat. But nowadays, guys are going back into the clubhouse, they're going to the batting cages, they got all kinds of things to keep them athletic active um I, you know obviously i hope i hope that white Sox management is able to do what's best for him long term uh he might not like it but coming back from a very serious injury this far ahead of schedule you're already concerned at least on some level that he's coming back too fast could risk re-injury things like that um so with the American League having the luxury of the DH, uh, it's just perfect for a situation like this. L- let him let him go in there, play most every day DHing, and then maybe maybe get a spot spots uh, here and there in the outfield. But yeah, I, yeah. my gut something- says yeah. that's what it's going to be. And that's something the White Sox are actually trying with uh, Yoki Suspedes. I talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. He had, I think they said it was maybe hamstring tenderness or something uh was wrong and he's not going to be playing the field but they do want him hitting so he is doing time at dh so similar thing we might see with jimenez uh, at least getting some at bats in there and getting comfortable to see live pitching yeah i mean obviously there's a lot of doctors, a lot of smarter people than me that are, that are going to that are going to be clearing Eloy to come back, and I've already cleared him for his assignment. So obviously, I think from a medical perspective, it's obviously safe. But anytime a guy's trying to rush his way back, um, all that extra adrenaline, all those extra things, uh, it's just so common and easy to see another injury soon thereafter. So uh, yeah, I, I, it it probably protects him the best, uh, you know. And I think that's probably what we're going to see. That's my guess anyway. So I'm excited. White Sox fans are excited. Could give a huge boost earlier than expected, Uh, especially I've talked a lot, whether it was today during this podcast, previous podcast, as well as the one I just did uh, with the guys over at the Good Guys. Good. What is it? Good Talk podcast. Uh, We talked about this next man up mentality. And once again, you saw it. Jake Berger last weekend, Gavin Sheets the week before, Andrew Vaughn the past month. And yeah. it's been exciting, but I, it's hard to say it's sustainable. So to have Eloy back is going to be huge for a team that 
uh, they've been pretty lucky because they could easily be uh, fighting for first place, but they have, I'm pretty sure, the second best uh, lead for in, in oh, their yeah. division. And they're yeah. sitting comfortably. And it's their division for the taking. Yeah, not not just fighting for first place. This is a team that I don't think people would have been shocked if they end up in third or fourth place with the amount of injuries that they've had. You know, I, I think... Uh, that would have even been somewhat understandable, probably not to Sox fans, because, you know, we are always angsty fans of the teams that we follow. But from a neutral perspective, to lose this many stars from the top of their lineup consistently um, and and be, what, eight, nine games up uh, in in your division, uh, boy, that's huge. Um, yeah, so big names coming back. Uh, we're about to hit the, the halfway point of the season. Um, you know, before we get into some kind of individual discussions, what are just what are, how, what is your feeling at this point as a Sox fan? Um, you know, there's a lot of preseason hype about this team. There's a lot of the hype coming out of last season for this team. Um, injuries aside, how, how would you have felt? How have you felt as a Sox fan with where the Sox are today um, going into the All-Star break? You have to be ecstatic being a White Sox fan with how everything is going. This is a team who has every, it's almost a, a weekly occurrence where they're facing injury after injury. And to be in first place with the lead that they have, they have one of their best records through this point that they've seen in 15 years. Yeah, And that's, and it's with, I, people joke about it, but it's serious. This is the Charlotte Knights that we're seeing. It, <laughs> it is. <laughs> they, they're going to be called the Charlotte White Sox, really. Uh, so it's amazing what they're doing right now, and it it could easily only get better with guys coming off feeling healthy. Uh, one thing though that we do need to see is some type of movement with bringing guys on. The White Sox need to make a splash, and I know. Yeah. Although a lot of White Sox fans and followers are pretty happy with where they're sitting, they'll be pretty furious if that trade deadline comes by and nothing's done. Because there's obviously a need on this team for some movement, just to assist. Yeah. We might not need them long term, but they could always use a boost. It doesn't. I've always thought it doesn't hurt to add. Like yeah, for sure. We, we added Adam Eden. Uh, money's lost, but we've talked about it. Money in the major league sports, it's they print it, it basically. It's fake. Like it just <laughs> yeah. keeps they're constantly printing it. Why can't these guys just make that deal, get it done? Because my mentality is if you have a winning ball club, people fans are gonna want to watch it. And if you're constantly winning, you're just gonna start seeing the fan support continue to move. What's the motivation for fans yep. seeing a losing product that's already expensive to uh Rather, usually pretty, even though the White Sox are a little more affordable than other teams, it's still expensive to go out and support. Yep. So why can't you put out a product that is a perennial winner and is there for years to come? Because the support, once that happens, I feel people are more comfortable with spending their dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and while uh, while the White Sox are, are set up um, from a... Uh, from a, 
a young um, position player talent pool where, yes, we, we, you probably are looking at a, 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 an extended window of success. There, The window isn't completely wide open when you look at um, Rodon and Lance Lynn are on uh, one-year deals right now. There's no guarantee. I mean, that's two-fifths of your starting rotation might not be here next year. Um, if the Sox are playing this well right now, um, they're going to, you know, it's cliche, but they're going to make a huge acquisition when um, Jimenez comes back. This is a team that is looking like, we've talked about this before, where you have playoff caliber teams and then you have that next level teams who are true contenders. Yes, anything can happen in the in the playoffs, but typically speaking, just being good enough to get into the playoffs is not what the White Sox are hoping for, and I think I think they're they're still a piece or two away. Um, is, and I'm still I'm still in the Adam Frazier bandwagon, uh, but the the play of Mendek, the fact that Berger in a very small sample size looks comfortable at the major league level, maybe they could go after some bullpen pieces instead, or um, you know, obviously now they might need a catcher. So uh, yeah, I mean I I think they're closer now than. They were. I even thought they were a few weeks ago. Yeah, we mentioned how uh, the it's hard to count on people who haven't. We saw with the bullpen great success last year. Those early few months, they've they they weren't as good because you were banking on uh, their rookie season, which wasn't even a full season. The right. data isn't really there to be like, oh, they'll last the full season. And that's how it's going to be with the this next man up, guys. Yeah. Uh, they they don't have all the experience, and they're not built for 162 games, especially when a lot of these guys weren't playing minor league games last year. Exactly. And not a lot of them were even on any type of roster. Some of those guys are just were working out and just hoping they would get a call this season. Some some actually did, but now they're hoping. Uh, big contributions, a big moment. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, he's back into your bullpen set with, with Liam Hendricks, but yeah, I, I definitely think, and and this piece is always gettable this time of year. There there are really solid veteran pitchers on, uh, on teams. We're at the point now where we're starting to see some separation between contenders and, and pretenders, and so, um, yeah, I, I think... I think it's almost a given the Sox are going to add a veteran arm uh, to the bullpen or two. Um, there's plenty out there to grab. Um, the fire sale on the north side is going to unload um, actually a pretty decent bullpen probably. So they're, they're, they're veteran guys to be had for pennies on the dollar, basically. Um, uh, yeah, the co- it would be kind of cool. Uh, it would be so bold, but would love to find a way to get e- either uh, – Kimbrel Chaffin, uh, who's on another one of those guys that are right uh, Dan there. Winkler's been pitching out of his mind Winkler. this year. Uh, but why not bring Chris Bryant to town? We yeah. like him on the, the south side. But when you mentioned Adam Frazier, another package that would be nice. I don't know how it works. I'm not uh, a GM. I don't know how that fully works. Maybe one day I can be in those positions. <laughs> right. But Adam Adam Frazier and Rich Rodriguez, Richard Rodriguez from yeah. the Pirates. Uh, you get you get a guy who can play second and mul- probably a multiple infield positions really, as well as a bullpen piece who's been pretty solid and not just this year. Uh, he's a career uh, slightly above three ERA. That's because he had uh, 
a 2019 that was not as great, but still under four ERA. He's he strikes out a good amount, and he he's durable, and that's a guy the White Sox need. So it could be a nice thing to look at and monitor as the season progresses. And you know the Pirates are dead as they've always been. Oh uh, yeah, hey, Adam Frazier. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, has one more arbitration year left. So you are getting him for a year and a half. It's not technically a rental. Um, from what I've heard, of course rumors coming out of the pirates camp of course they're going to be asking for the moon right now they're going to be asking for everybody's top everything uh i, I think a fraser plus like like you you mentioned um is doable are you willing to give up one of sheets or burger for him for that pairing yeah i think if they allow it like i don't i like both those guys a ton especially burger everything he's been through but i I think the move is to move Berger. His, I think his, uh, his not like ability, but his value yeah. as an asset to the team is high right now, and he's a piece that's uh, flimsy, like able to be moved. Yeah, he, he's Literally. positionally blocked. We talked about that at length a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's his, his true position is blocked by a guy who's going to be there for a long time. And sure, maybe he can adapt to second base or, or left or whatever. But his true value right now is as a third baseman. Uh, he's hitting well. His it, it, in theory, his trade value is never going to be higher. Um, so uh, yeah, I could see the Pirates taking a flyer on him uh, for. Uh, you probably have to do burger plus, you know, uh, high A, two A uh, pitcher. Um, but I think you could do that for, uh, yeah, for for Frazier plus. I, I think it'll be doable if another team like the Mets doesn't sweep in and overpay. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked at what he's been playing this year. Ted Frazier is um, primarily. Or yeah, Adam Frazier. Todd Frazier is another guy. Uh, Adam Frazier is uh, primarily second baseman, but he, he does have outfield experience. Um, I think he's one of those guys that could probably slot wherever the White Sox need him. Um, but yeah, so there's guys to be out there. Um, at the halfway point, I do love this. I saw a tweet from the podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but the one you were a guest on yesterday, uh, they tweeted out and, and started a good discussion. Um, is, is it time to start giving Tony La Russa some credit? Now, you and I, especially I, have not uh, been um, shy about my feelings for Tony La Russa. I do not care for him too much. Um, so it's going to be hard for me to give him credit for anything. Uh, but from your shoes, uh, how much credit does Tony La Russa? I mean, he has had to shepherd a... a a team through injuries and find a mix of youngsters and veterans and all of those things that can be a tough job for a manager. Uh, so I'm tough. I'm still hard to give them a ton of credit because of when it comes to the next man up mentality, it's a lot of those guys coming in and doing what they need to do to help the team. And Tony Russo has still continued to put some really bad lineups They're, They've been kind of ugly. And I know White Sox Twitter has not been the happiest on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then one other point is before I give props to Tony Russo uh, a little bit, just a tiny bit, I do have one thing positive. Uh, you got to give it up to the White Sox farm system. They oh, weren't yeah. that great at drafting. And I even thought they weren't great, even over the last 10 years. But 
when you look back, there's plenty to be, uh, plenty of reasons why they did their due diligence uh, and they made the right move. So a friend of mine who went to the same high school now works at 670 The Score as a producer. He pulled out and went back and looked at some data. He posted a tweet yesterday. The 2020 White Sox season is a success story for scouting and development team. Below is the result of a commitment to draft strategy, the farm system, and patience. All names on this list were either drafted or assigned to an initial pro contract by the Sox. The list includes Chris Sale, Kopech, Mankata, Abreu, Anderson, Angle, Rodon, Fry, Zavala, Mendick, Collins, Birdie, Lambert, Foster, Robert, Berger, Sheets, Gonzalez, Madrigal, Stever, Hoyer, Vaughn, and Crochet. Uh, a huge list. Oh, and yeah. guys who've had some good moments so far in what is most of these guys' young careers. Yeah, you know, I think that that the from an outside perspective, typically speaking, the White Sox, this rebuild has been um from an outside perspective, it seems that they've mostly been able to rebuild through tr- uh, savvy trades. You know, guys like Moncada, Jimenez um, were were acquired prospects that started another organization, which to me is still your farm system because they, they still had to come through your farm system to make it to the majors. Um, and, uh, you know, savvy international signings. Uh, but wow. you're right. I think that people have been sleeping on their drafting ability uh, because they haven't in recent years, haven't produced that really flashy guy drafted in the first round, which is let's, let's face it uh, outside of the top three to five picks. Those are the only true flashy guys that you're like, yep, he's for sure going to make it to the majors in two years. Unless you're Mark Capel. Right. Except for him. Yes. And and that's a great point because uh, for every, draft where you have those can't miss guys they weren't usually the first overall pick i mean uh, you know pal being drafted before chris bryant chris bryant went third you know there's there's plenty of history of that so um you i I think it's a it's it's a a study in contrast because you see on the other side where the the cubs were successful quote-unquote with their first round picks and Pretty abysmal with every other round in the draft. They haven't been able to produce impact players deep from deep in the draft. Only those first round picks have have really had much success for the Cubs uh, across the board, really in this era. And and I think the White Sox and other teams are showing that it's rounds two through whatever that matter just as much in the in the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, if you can find talent that's going to make an impact in the Major League level uh, beyond the first round, you're going to have a more stacked next man up type of farm system. And to your last, to your main point of the question, I had to go on a little tangent because it was necessary. My only props when it comes to La Russa is him kind of getting a better, he's slowly getting there. Obviously he's not fully there, but getting the roster and understanding who these players are and what they do best. We didn't see William Hendricks used in certain situations early on. Uh, if it, if it was a tie game or maybe it was a one run ball game, you might've not, especially on the road, you might've not seen him uh, come in in the eighth inning and things like that. He, he always thought like, uh, a, yeah. a saves yeah, guy. Even. We're only putting him in the ninth inning. 
And we're starting to see him a little bit more show up in tie games, whether it's on the road or home. This past week, we saw him do uh, two innings against the Twins. And I think he was hitless, score runless, and even had, I think, four strikeouts. And that was something we wouldn't have seen in April. So he slowly getting smart and knowing how to better best use his guys. And hopefully that continues and maybe more people will be on the, the Tony La Russa bandwagon. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. He has, a, uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. I think he has adapted his coaching style to fit a more modern approach more than I was expecting him to. Uh, it took him a couple of months to get there, but he is starting to make some of those decisions. You still get the, the bunt or the hit and run in situations where you're going, we don't do this anymore, Tony. That went out of the game about 10 years ago. Um, but for the most part, I think you're right. I think he is, is adapting and I think that's good. I will say this. Here's my ca- caveat, whether I hate the manager or I love him I, in major league baseball more than maybe any of the enter any of the other major sports here in America. I think baseball it, uh, coaches get way too much of the credit for teams winning and way too much of the blame for team losing. Managers certainly do play a key role, but I don't think it's I don't think they have the same kind of impact in the win-loss column as say an NFL head coach does. So um, you, you, you definitely have to have skill and you do have to be able to manage a game, but I don't I'm not willing to say, well, Tony La Russa is the reason this team has been able to win without X player being healthy. This could be just me just randomly thinking, but football, hockey, baseball, soccer, not baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, the way plays are drawn up is very different than in baseball, like trying to tell a person to steal or use this pitch. These are immediate in those other sports. Those are immediate plays drawn up to, to get instant offense or yeah, uh, instant defense. Uh, in baseball, it's a lot of the hitting. And then there's certainly uh, in between innings and g- during games, uh, minor plays they work through and practice, but it's, it's not the same. And I think baseball is yeah. a little different when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean there's like defensive positioning, but usually it's not even the manager anymore who's making those calls. You usually have a, a defensive specialist uh, somewhere on your bench. Um yeah, I mean obviously managing the bullpen, I think that's probably one of the biggest in-game decisions that a, a manager has to make, but um yeah. So again, he he does deserve some credit. Uh, he's been better than I was expecting him to be. The players haven't quit on him. Um, you know, there's an early season drama with Mercedes, but uh, the team seems to have come together as a whole. Um, yeah. So uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you, who is your MVP and your Cy Young of this team? Uh, could be one and the same. If you subscribe to that, uh, your first half MVP, first half Cy Young. You know, MLB is not known to do this lately, but it is if we had an MVP and Cy Young, I got to say it goes both to Rodon. It's tough. Like Lance Lynn's neck and neck with him. Yeah. But Rodon, this is a guy who we're like fourth and fifth starter. Maybe you're, he's, he was supposed to duke it out with C's Kopech and Ronaldo Lopez. And we all know what's going on with him right now. Uh, so I'm going to give it to him. He's done 
he's gone above and beyond. He's playing like an MVP for this team. He's pitching like a Cy Young for this team. And it's been amazing. Uh, if you would have asked me in early June, I would have done a one and one gone with, uh, who is it? Uh, Cy Young, uh, Rodon, MVP, Moncada. Moncada yeah. was neck and neck in a lot of those numbers, but he he, he was hurt a little bit, so he's dipped a little bit. But this is a guy, he's still getting on base a ton and producing. I would like to see in the second half his power numbers go up a bit. Yeah, it, I think um... – yeah, I, I think Rodon's probably the most uh, obvious call. It probably it's hard to make an argument against him winning the team Cy Young and maybe the actual Cy Young. Although Otani might just win every award there is possible to win. Who knows? Um, but for the the White Sox, definitely first half. Uh, yeah, like you said, Lance Lynn has also provided a, a kind of a bulldog kind of mentality that's been good for the team. Um, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to do a weird cop out. I, I, for me, the my MVP for the first half of the season has been the next man up. It's been guys who are playing above what anybody would have expected them to play. Guys like Billy Hamilton, who, by the way, just made one of the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen a couple games ago, uh, or yesterday. It was yesterday, wasn't it? Um, but you know, whether it's him, whether it's Mendick, who is supposed to be a, a, a utility guy, even Larry Garcia has had some big moments. Um, your Jake Lambs, Mercedes carried the team for the first month of the season, you know, so I, I think it's it, it's indicative of how this team has been winning that they don't really have a position player that you can go, yep, been carrying the team. It's been a lot of these role players who've been big when they needed them. Yeah. So honestly, that means uh, the front office gets uh, raked over the coals uh, by fans because they wanted to see the big sign, the big trading, or the big signing, the big trade in the offseason. They didn't make it. Uh, but this front office obviously put together a team of uh, uh, role players um, and, and put together a farm system of role players that um, haven't just had a good week here and there. I mean, as a whole, they've got guys that have consistently produced for the team in, in roles that they weren't expected to have to fill. So, yeah. Got anything else to talk about? You know, that's it. We got our last series against the Orioles. I'm, I hope they ended on a sweep. They could really use a couple more wins just to still give them more cushion. Never hurts. I, I always wanted them. I was hoping they would have gone nine and over twins, tigers, right. And, Orioles, but if they can come out three sweep or even two to one, I'll take it. I just want them to win their last game Sunday. You you want to you want to close out the first half uh, on a winning note. Yeah, I think two. there is a I think there is a legitimate momentum thing. You know, you really want to win that last series going into the break. Uh, like you said, the last game going into the break gives you kind of something to ride high on. Uh, most of the team is going to get a nice uh, break from baseball, which is which is really good. Uh, who's representing the White Sox this year in the All-Star game? Hendricks, Rodon and Lance Lynn. So all pitchers this year, guys, we couldn't vote for. Uh, so hopefully when the news is not drops we see one of our guys uh named the al starter as i think both of them have a really strong case yeah absolutely um yeah and then there's uh you know we are we are full on in trade season uh seems like every year there's a, a big announcement made over the all-star break uh so who knows maybe this week this time next week uh the podcast could be talking about an acquisition but 
Um, obviously, today's big news is a huge boost to the White Sox. Now we just got to knock on wood and hope that, that Eloy doesn't have any setbacks in his uh, rehab appearances. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's about as big a trade as you can make at the trade deadline getting him back. Yes, hopefully not the only one. And I would hate for the mentality to get in their heads where yes. it's like, you know, these guys are going to give us a huge boost. So maybe we don't need that piece. We do need that piece and many others. Because coming back from a serious injury, uh, time away from swinging the bat. I mean, most of these guys, when they come back from this extended layoff, it's like the first week of spring training when they come back. It, even though he's doing rehab starts, I don't care what anybody says. Uh Playing uh, in, in low A or double A or wherever he's at right now is not remotely the same as facing major league pitching. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably going to provide a boost, but you can't rest on your laurels and expect him to carry the team. Definitely. So the first half has been great, and let's end it on a high note this weekend. All right. Thank you guys for listening for another White Sox Daily Podcast it's been great first half of the season, not just watching the White Sox baseball, but talking White Sox baseball with Ben and myself and yeah, myself as well on the other week. So keep yeah. listening and go White Sox.